Welcome to Becoming Iconic, the masterclass for you by me, Jen Spiegel. I am your host and also the founder of Becoming Iconic, which is a global brand supporting entrepreneurs in their life, business, and most importantly, leadership. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy. Well, here we are with Dara Kurtz, who is an author, a blogger, a mama, and a woman who has really I believe overcome some really crucial things and some things that I know we're going to learn through. Dara is um, author to many books at this point, aren't you? Two books now. Yeah. 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 My most recent is I am my mother's daughter wisdom on life, loss and love. And it's really a book that I wrote from my heart and and means Mm -hmm. so much to me. Oh, I can't wait to just get into that and read more about that. And also I know you are a blogger with 180,000 subscribers to that blog. And I want to hear all about that too. So you have really zoned into using the things of your life and creating beauty and lessons and that quote unquote silver lining of things that can really take a lot of us out and knock us, knock the wind out of us. And so I'm really excited to have that conversation. So I'm really grateful you're here. Thank you for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure to spend time with you. Oh, beautiful. So tell me about you because we're meeting for the first time. And I know a little bit about your story, but I know there's a lot more to it than, than I know. And I'd love for the people to really get to know you and, and where, where you've come from, how you've landed to be this person that has such a big voice and an advocate for, for women and, and overcoming. So a few weeks after I had my first daughter, my mom passed away. And at the time, you know, I was a financial advisor. I was, I had a big job. I was working all the time and found myself in this space where I had this beautiful baby. And at the same time, I was devastated at having lost my mom. And I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. And so I did the best I could. And I distracted myself. I dove right on back into work. And I remember that year, I hit like the top 10 in the company for production. And everyone was praising me. Oh my gosh, Dara, look at you you had a baby and you lost your mom and you're, you know, you're killing it at work. And I just, you know, my ego um, was just right there saying, Oh yeah, you know, I'm killing it. But um, of course my, the version of myself today can look back at my younger self and think like, Oh gosh, she really wasn't in a good place. Anyone who goes through all of those things should not hit and be the the top 10 in the company for production in that year. Um, but more time went by and I was blessed to have another daughter. And um, then when I was 42 at the, really out of the blue, when my kids were 11 and 14, I heard the word, you have cancer. And I lost my mom to cancer. She passed away from a form of melanoma, which is skin cancer. And I had breast cancer and there's a lot of luck in cancer. I was very lucky. I found it relatively early and I had the kind that there has been a ton of research on and Um, you know, there were a lot of things to do and I had a lot of tools in my toolbox, but it really just took my breath away and knocked the wind out of my, just everything. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't someone who sailed through chemo and I needed to go through chemo. So I had a double mastectomy and reconstruction. I, I needed to be as aggressive as possible. I mean, I was 42 years old and my kids were 11 and 14. And so, um, I lost my hair. I was devastated. But I was also going through and reliving a lot of what I saw when my mom was sick, but I didn't realize it. 
I didn't know it at the time. And it was such a hard experience. And after that, after I went through the chemo and, and, and the surgery and more surgery and all that, and the doctor said, okay, Dara, time to go back to, to the business of living, you know, go live your life. And that's when I thought like, okay, I have no idea how to live. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to live the rest of my life, knowing that there was cancer in my body and I had so much fear and anxiety and what if blah, blah, blah. And so I recognized in that moment that I had a choice. I could either stay in the scared, feared space and live my life like that, or I could do a shit ton of work on myself, figure it all out and, you know, go down that path. And mm-hmm. so that's what I did. And I remember I, I went to my husband and I'm like, I'm not going back to work. I'm done with that. I, you know, I, I want to start writing. I want to start helping other people. I want to use my experience. I don't want to think about money all the time. And I was a financial advisor. So that's what I did. Um, and so I quit my job. I started my blog, Crazy Perfect Life. I just started writing from my heart. And I really had no idea what I was doing. Like I did not have a full-time assistant, right? I mean, I went from having a full-time assistant to I'm a mom with a laptop and I have no idea what I'm doing, Um, but that was okay. And, you know, I was fine making mistakes and I've made a lot of mistakes. And, um, but at the end of the day, like I just wanted to have fun, figure out how I could be grounded and let go of the fear and really just kind of be my authentic self. And at the same time, find something that excited me and that filled me up. And so, you know, I'm so blessed and lucky to be where I am today. And I wouldn't be here if I hadn't gone through breast cancer. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Mm. Well, I'm sorry that that was the situations and the circumstances that you've had to walk through. And as I see that, there's a part of me that's also very grateful that it has been entrusted upon you to take some of those circumstances and to turn that around and impact the world through them. So I want to just say thank you as well as a woman, because it would be easy to keep this to yourself and, and do the work behind the scenes, but instead you chose to put this out into the world. And I can only imagine how many lives have been changed because of your courage your courage and willingness to be seen. So I just want to say thank you. I I really do. You know, I think when we all are willing to be vulnerable and talk about all of the hard things that we're all going through, every single one of us, every person who's listening to this podcast right now, there are challenges that you're facing that your friends are facing. And I think if we get into a place where we're like comfortable or give ourselves permission to be vulnerable and have those honest and real conversations, we're all so much better because of it. And and so for me, like I'm at the place in my life now where I I don't have time for any conversation that isn't a real conversation. And, you know, I don't want to have relationships that aren't real. And, um, you know, I just turned 50 and, you know, that's a whole nother conversation that we can have, but um, it does kind of give you this, space of permission to maybe, if not now, when, like, you know, what am I waiting for? Um, and so I really, you know, I'm comfortable being my authentic, crazy, messed up, whatever, blah, blah, blah self. And I think it helps other people. And so that's such a, such a win for all of us. It is. 
Can we go back, if you don't mind, talking about the loss of your mom at the same time as birthing a child? I can only imagine the contrast and polarity in your life of having the biggest joy of birthing your first child and becoming a mother yourself and then grieving and losing your own mom. I mean, that must have really been difficult to navigate. Can you help us understand some of the ways you worked through that? Yeah, it was a devastating experience. And this was 20, my daughter's 22. So it was 22 years ago, my oldest daughter. And we didn't have the platforms that we have today. We didn't have grief podcasts. We didn't have all the things. So nobody was talking about it. And I was really one of the first people in my friend group who had lost a parent. And my mom was my person. We talked every single day. And when I was a child or growing up or in college, I mean, she would say things like, you know, I can't wait one day when I'm a grandmother, I can't wait for us to do blah, blah, blah. And so, um, you know, being in that space and having this beautiful baby and then missing her and really just my heart was broken. I mean, really, it was just completely broken. And I didn't have the skills to figure out how I could even help myself. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't, you know, I didn't talk about my feelings. Again, what did I do? I dove into work. I tried to numb myself. That's what I did um, with just distraction. And um, it was a really hard time for me. It was a hard time for my marriage. My husband and I have been married. We met in college. We've been married. I always joke that I majored in MRS because <laughs> we got married right after college. But, um, you know, he was he was a saint during all of that. I mean, really, because he received a lot of the my anger and frustration I transferred onto him. But, um, you know, I've since gone through a lot of counseling and worked through a lot of things, but it was devastating. And I didn't handle it the best possible way that I think I could have. But I also show myself a lot of grace. I did the best that I could at that time. But if anyone is going through the loss of someone that they love right now, I mean, the first thing I would say is it's okay to be sad and it's okay to feel all the feels. And the only way through it, and you know this, the only way through to get to the other side is to feel the feelings and to let yourself be sad and be uncomfortable and be anxious and, and all of the, the wonderful things that grief kind of brings to you. But I didn't want to feel any of that. I didn't like the way it felt to feel really anxious and, and sad and miss my mom. And I had this baby and I thought, you know, she deserves to have a happy mom. Um, and so I, I pushed all of that under the rug. And so, as you know, it's going to come up again if you don't deal with it. And so, you know, I think, was I, my, was I living a life in my most like highest vibrational state? No, of course I wasn't. Grief is one of the lowest vibrational emotions we can have. And so, you know, fast forward and I ended up with breast cancer and, you know, that's kind of the universe shaking me. Dara, you have to deal with this somehow. You've got to get it all out of your body somehow. And so, um, you know, that's when I, a lot of it came up from my mom's sickness and a lot of things that I could kind of see you know, I, I had to deal with. And I'm almost imagining too, as you're telling your story, I'm sort of putting myself 
in the position, not that I've walked in your shoes, but what's coming up for me too is guilt. I would imagine, because I know myself, I would feel guilty for being in so much joy with my child because I lost my mom. And then I would feel guilty that I was in sadness because I was supposed to feel joy for having my baby, which feels like an impossible feat. Did you work through some of those emotions as well? Oh, I always say guilt followed me around like my shadow because Mm -hmm. it did. I felt guilty for all the things. Um, And, you know, I would go to birthday parties and my friends' moms would be at their kids' birthday parties. And it was almost like a constant reminder of what I had lost, what I didn't have. And instead of kind of reframing that and saying, okay, yes, this sucks. And I wish that it hadn't have happened. Instead of trying to stay in the gratitude space of, I'm so blessed to have been my mom's daughter. And I'm so lucky that I had her for the amount of time that I had her and and blah, blah, blah. And you know, all that, I couldn't even get to that space because I was so angry and so upset. And I remember when I first found out I had breast cancer and I was on the table getting a biopsy done. And I was literally sitting there just sobbing, sobbing while this doctor, you know, the sweetest doctor ever. And I call him my shine, my angel, like during that whole thing, he was literally delivered to me from the universe. But I'm sure he was just like, oh my God, what did I do to deserve this? Because I was sobbing and I was just like, no, you don't understand. My kids are only 11 and 14. And I know how hard it is to be in the world without your mom. And I can't let that happen to them. And I, this can't be happening to, to, to me and to my kids. And I had so much guilt about that, about getting sick, about them having to deal with me being sick and watching that. And it took a long time for my daughters to even, and it's been almost eight years and I'm so grateful for that. And it took a long time. And I write about this in I Am My Mother's Daughter for my youngest daughter, Avi, to even be able to talk about some of the trauma that she went through when I was sick because they knew how it had ended for my mom. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of fear, of course, that history was going to repeat itself. Yeah. Is there a timeline? Is that something you work through where I imagine somebody in grief, whether it's a loss of a parent, a loss of a child, there's so many ways in which we're grieving right now as a collaborative, I believe in the world. I feel like sometimes we put timelines on it. Like I should only be in grief for two months or five days or one year. And we rush through the process. Would that be in your hindsight? Like if you were to talk to someone and say, in my hindsight, I wish I had, how would you finish that sentence when it comes to timeline? I wish I had recognized that Grief is not linear, just like life is not linear. And there is no timeline to grief. Mm-hmm. I mean, it pops up even now, it pops up. And it's been 22 years since my mom passed away. But, you know, there'll be something that'll happen. And I'll all of a sudden, you know, the tears will come and I'll feel really sad. But I don't try to push it away anymore. I, I let myself sit in that and I feel the sadness. And, you know, I, there's not a day that goes by that my mom, I mean, I feel like she travels through my life with me a totally a hundred percent. And, um, and I've learned how to make peace with that. And I can hear her whispering in my ear and, you know, that's all amazing, but 
grief is not linear. And I think when you, that's the, when you love so deeply, how lucky I am that I had a loss that was so incredibly hard because that meant that I loved so deeply. But at the same time, how do I make the most of my life and not let the grief get in the way of me living my life today? And that is the challenge. That is the hard part. How do you move forward and take the person that you've loved and lost with you? And it's not easy. You just said something really big that I hope people heard, maybe emotional, that you loved that deeply in order to feel that level of grief. Wow. Wow. That's one way of finding deep gratitude in something that I'm sure at times was really difficult to find gratitude in. You know, it wasn't until I went through breast cancer, gratitude wasn't even a word. It wasn't even on my vocabulary. It wasn't even part of my like daily vocabulary of, you know, yes, I live with gratitude or, you know, I feel blessed or blah, blah, blah. But I didn't really get what it meant to live a life of gratitude until mm-hmm. I went through breast cancer. And I mean, that was one of the biggest takeaways that has impacted me in such a positive way is that, it, you know, we are all so blessed. Look, that's why I named my blog Crazy Perfect Life because life is crazy and messy and it's the farthest thing from perfect. But the fact that we're alive right here, right now, we win. And so, you know, it's kind of like, how do you make the most of your day and experience happiness and joy and be grateful for what you have while dealing with all the hard stuff? the sadness and the loss and the worry and, you know, paying your bills and the kids and blah, 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 you know, all the things, you know, that's the challenge I think for all of us. Mm -hmm. If you were to sit down with someone right now who is maybe working themselves through grief, maybe it is through cancer themselves or loss of a parent and their partner is sitting beside them, let's call it husband. And their husband's there. What would you say to the husband? How can someone who is in relationship with someone in grief, how can we be better supporters, more understanding? Yeah, it's a great question. I get asked this a lot. Um, So there's no rules. Grief doesn't come with a handbook. Do this and you're going to be okay. And like you said, you know, here's the time frame when your partner acts this way three months and then you don't have to worry about this anymore. You know, it doesn't work that way. Um, So I would just say, just to be a good listener and just to be there. And, and sometimes you don't have to say anything, just, you know, my husband would hold my hand and he would always say, Dara, I'm really sorry that you have to go through this. I'm so sorry that this happened. And when he said that, it made me feel like, because he couldn't fix it. And I think a lot of times partners really want to fix the situation, you know, like my, partner is sad and I want to make my partner happy and I want to fix it. And I want to take away all the sadness, but as much as he wanted to, like, it's not fixable. My mom, no one can bring her back. And so he was just sitting there. He was there always. And and it was a safe space, meaning I knew that I could show up and be my most vulnerable, messy, sobbing, mascara running everywhere, just completely just look like, you know, 
life has just sucked all that happiness and joy out of me. And, um, I haven't had any sleep and I'm exhausted and, you know, not be judged and just, you know, be loved, even though life was really hard for me and really hard for him, because it's hard to have a partner that's in that space. But I would say, just, just be there and let your partner know that you love your partner unconditionally and that you're there for the long haul. Right. And that, um, if you go to a party and your partner gets triggered and starts to cry, you know, we got to the point where I could kind of signal, John could look at me and he would, he would, he would know like, okay, let me go get our coats because we're out of here. Um, because he could see, like, I would get triggered. I remember one time we were somewhere and my, it was when my mom was sick. She was sick and we were at a, at a party and this woman came up to me and she said, I'm so sorry. Your mom is sick. Do you think she's going to make it? Do you think she's going to die? Like literally this woman asked me that question. And I, I was just, you know, people, she didn't mean to trigger me or upset me, but you know, I didn't know how to act. I was in denial myself. I didn't want to think about that happening. And I just couldn't even answer her. I started crying. And I just remember like John kind of made eye contact with me. And I was just like, kind of sent him the signal that we're out of here. Um, and that was okay. So, you know, you've got to be flexible with, with a partner that, that is going through. It affects the whole family. It does. And so let's flip that on the other side too, then, because you're so generous with sharing with these things. And I think that is beautiful holding space for someone I believe is such a high level of compassion just to be available and not fixed to be available, to listen, to put ourselves and maybe our needs and desires in that moment aside because we care so deeply for our partner. So John sounds like a wonderful man, but I imagine too, there's things that you as the grieving partner have learned as well. Cause you did mention that you projected your anger upon him. What could be some advice for someone who's in grief that you would say to him or her, you know what? just pay attention to these things and how you can also be supportive of your partner, even in the grief. Yeah. So a couple of things. One, what really helped me was trying to figure out a way to bring my mom into our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, instead of missing her all the time and not having her be part of our lives, I, you know, once I had kids, I really was kind of like, okay, how can I let my daughter's I want them to know my mom, but they didn't know my mom. What can I do about this? And so my mom loved ice cream sundaes. It was kind of like her thing. And so, um, you know, what child doesn't want to eat an ice cream sundae? And um, we, my family, like I didn't serve dessert all the time when my kids were little. I mean, it's just kind of how I was. Um, And so every year on my mom's birthday and on the anniversary of her death, we would have this like big ice cream sundae bar or, you know, some years it was, on the way home from dance class, we would go through a drive-thru and get ice cream sundaes. But the point was we were bringing her into our lives. And so I think that if you've loved and lost someone, trying to find a way for you to bring them into your life is a good way for you to positively manage the grief because it feels good to bring that person into your life. If they loved gardening, you know, plant flowers. If they loved hiking, go for a hike, you know, whatever it is find that connection. And I think that was a really beautiful way. And my husband and my family totally kind of like signed on and got their cues from me and, you know, bought into all of that. And I love that. Um, but I also feel like 
if you're going through a really hard time and you're, you know, it, it ends up being, it was like all about me all the time. Um, so acknowledging, you know, to your partner, thank you. I see, you know, thank you for what you're doing for me. I see that you're there, that you're holding space for me, that this is hard for you too. And I just want you to know that I appreciate you. I mean, never discount the power of saying the words, thank you. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it can have a huge positive impact. Yeah. And it's just that acknowledgement. It's that's what I'm sensing. It's just the acknowledgement of each other. And I do feel a lot of times, yes, these circumstances can tear a relationship apart, but I do feel I've walked through moments with my husband where hard times have actually brought us closer together. We're very fortunate that way, but I do believe a lot of it is that, that acknowledgement of each other and like, thank you. I know this is not easy. I appreciate you being there and vice versa. Another thing I love is what you celebrate. It's the art of celebration, which to me is gratitude and action. You know, when we put gratitude in action, it forms a celebration. And so to celebrate with Sundays is so incredible. And it's like a wink from your mom and a wink back at her. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, butterflies is a way that I've always connected with my mom. And so um, just for so many reasons, which that could be a whole nother podcast episode, but, um, you know, it's, I love how my daughters even believe that like when they see butterflies, that my mom is kind of whispering in their ear. And so, you know, it's just talking about the person that you've loved and lost and bringing them into your life and letting yourself be happy and joyful, even if you're sad and you're missing that person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that polarity. It's that, you know, and that's really the biggest challenge. And I think a lot of people are facing that right now with COVID is just, there's been a lot of loss. And how do we make peace with that loss and, and, and go on with our lives? Mm-hmm. Do you mind if we get into the butterfly story? Because oh, I have a butterfly story. So I'd love to swap stories because I do feel there's something to this. Like I, I don't believe in coincidences. I, don't I believe, yeah. yeah, I believe we have God winks and cues all around us. It's just whether we're tapped in and available to see them. So tell me the butterfly story because I'll could share mine. So many stories. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I'll just tell you briefly about the butterflies, but then I want to share a different story because I think you're sure. going to really like it. Um, okay. But um, at my mom's funeral, there were two black butterflies flying around right there. And, um, you know, ever since then, that time, it's like butterflies. It, whenever I see a butterfly, even when I'm not supposed to see a butterfly, you know, it's kind of like, why is there a butterfly this time of year? Or why did this butterfly come to me? I've had so many experiences. I remember one night, Zoe, my daughter, was really upset and um, just feeling all the feels. And it was 12 o'clock at night and she was at a friend's house on her friends on the porch. And all of a sudden a butterfly came and landed like on her hand. And Zoe, I remember she, she took a picture of it and she was like, mom, what is happening? Why is this butterfly on my hand at 12 o'clock at night? And we live in North Carolina. I mean, you know, why did that happen at that time? But it was just so many of those little things that I have had happen. But um, I want to hear your butterfly story. And then I want to tell you a little story that happened recently. You go ahead. I'm, I'm into your story. Yeah, go ahead. But this isn't about butterflies, <laughs> but my youngest daughter recently went to college. And, you know, I was kind of all in the feels like I'm about to be an empty nester and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was bringing up a lot of, 
when I went to school and how my mom must have felt with me having gone to school and I went to college really far away. And like, I was just kind of missing my mom even a little bit more than normal. And I, I, you know, I wanted so much to pick up the phone and call her and just be like, mom, how did you handle me going to school? And, you know, just all the things. And I, I wanted to have that conversation. And I was really anxious about being an empty nester and, you know, all that. And so we took my daughter to school and it was time to say goodbye. We went to the family picnic and we went back to the room and I told John, I'm like, we need to get in and get out. Like I need to, I need to not drag this out. And we're leaving the room and I'd said goodbye to Avi and I backed up and I was waiting for John to say goodbye to her. And all of a sudden my cell phone, all of a sudden it said the words, which Terry should I call just out of the blue? And my mom's name was Terry. And I am not a person that issues commands to my phone. Like I actually don't even really know how to do that. Like that's just not my personality. I don't do that. And all of a sudden my phone said, which Terry should I call? And I looked down and the words across the screen even spelled her name T-E-R-R-I. Not, and that's how she spelled her name, not T-E-R-R-Y. So first of all, I don't have any friends named Terry. I don't even have any contacts in my phone named Terry. And so like all of a sudden, uh, John and Avi and I, we both, it was just like someone had shaken us and we looked up and Avi was just like, what just happened? And we were all kind of like, oh my gosh. But it was exactly what I needed in that moment because, you know, it's like, I felt like my mom was there whispering in my ear, like, you're going to be fine you can say goodbye to her and you can be an empty nester and it's going to be okay. And, you know, nothing, there's nothing else that could have happened to me in that moment that would have made saying goodbye to my daughter easier than that. Because I was Mm -hmm. after that on the whole way home, I was just like, totally like, Oh my God, that was amazing. Like that is not a coincidence that, you know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Wow. So I've got God bumps. Like those things are just, but stuff like that happens to me a lot. But in, in that moment, that was pretty powerful. Well, it, and it is powerful and it's beautiful. And the support that you were desiring came through. And I just, I do believe there's an element of being available to it. I really do. I, I see, and I can hear through you that you're available to the whispers of your mom and, you know, just that, that next realm. Yeah. I'll tell you the story. So it's really interesting because there's lots of parallels. So I was really close with my grandma. So this will be a beautiful story for you. I'm gifting this to you too, because it's. I feel like this will be good for your heart. I was really close to my grandma, my mom's mom. And I remember when she was older. Ooh, I don't know if I can get it without crying. <laughs> I remember when she was older. Whew, I said, grandma, like when you go, can you let me know you're still here? And she turned to me <laughs> so quickly and said, but I'm an extension of your mother. Your mother's an extension of me. So even when I go, I'm still with you because your mother is a part of me. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful for you because that is the truth of who you are to your children. So they're witnessing and being with your mom as an element of being in your life. And when she passed, um, when we went back the next day, there was a blue butterfly taped to her door. We have no idea this day where that came from, who it was, this blue butterfly. And my mom's like, well, that's nice. You know, somebody put that there in remembrance. 
Mm. And the very same day in my mom's email box comes a, a poem about blue butterflies and how to heal from your losing your mom. She's not subscribed to any email list. She doesn't receive emails like this, but it's specific about a blue butterfly and losing your mom. So that was a beautiful moment for my mom just to feel like, oh my gosh, she really is here. Like there is something to this. This is not just an idea or something we're grasping onto. And a week later I was in Maui and my grandma used to always sing, you are my sunshine. And my husband and I were walking down the path and pushing my daughter. And this woman was walking towards us with a stroller. I could tell it was the grandma and she was just so proud to be walking in the stroller. So she, she took your attention. And as she walked by on her phone, she's playing, you are my sunshine. And as she walks by, this is honest to God, truth, a white butterfly comes down and lands on me. Mm, I love the story. (sighs) And it was the most peaceful closure of knowing that yes, she has passed. I will miss her. Oh, I miss her presence, but and is her presence actually even gone? Is it still here? And can I still feel it? And I felt in that moment, like, absolutely. If you want to, you can. So it's so interesting. Butterflies are my thing too. I love that story so much. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really completely open to receiving a lot of this until really until I had my daughters. And I think that's when I really wanted, I wasn't afraid to let my mom in, if that makes any sense. That's when I was kind of like searching for a way too. And that's when I really started being able to connect, if you will. Um, But I love that story so much. And yeah, it's amazing. You know, when I wrote, I am my mother's daughter, um, I thought a lot about connection between one generation to the next and how like I right now am the connection between my mom and my daughters and my grandmothers and, you know, the responsibility that I have to teach my daughters about the amazing women who came before us, because the reality of it is we're just each a moment in time in our families. And, you know, generations will come after us, but if we're not intentional, intentional about carrying on some of the traditions that we've learned and the wisdom maybe that we've learned from the people that have come before us, then it gets lost. And so, you know, I thought so much about how, how to do that and um, how I do feel that it is our responsibility to kind of connect the past with the present, but also the future. And, you know, I just, I love that story because it's kind of parallel to that. Yes, it is. Thank you. I have a final question for you that I think is going to be really impactful for those listening because it's, it's seems to be in our lives that when we have a loss of someone or a loss of our health, a moment where we feel, I guess a loss, it's, it's the appropriate term all of a sudden we start paying really close attention. All of a sudden it jolts us into wanting to be healthier or jolts us into wanting to be in deeper, meaningful relationships and mend relationships. How can we do that before a loss? Why, why does it take that sometimes? I just, I would love to know that. How can we be in that presence, in that intention without needing a loss to be there? It's a great question. It's, I think what you're saying is, and, you know, I've met so many 
people in the space that I'm in and the work that I do, and I think you probably have as well, where people have gone through a really hard thing, whatever it is, to wake up. And they they weren't they they lived their life one way and then they went through a challenge and then they got it. They woke up. And your question is like how can you travel through your life without having to go through a really hard time to wake up and make the most of every day and to see the blessings and to pay attention. And it's, it's a challenge. I think that, you know, I love this question and I've thought a lot about it because why do we have to go through hard times in order to appreciate, appreciate Mm. what we have and not take it for granted and have that gratitude because, you know, that's really what jumpstarts everything. And I think there's a lot of ways we can do that. Um, you know, being present, not zoning, zoning out, numbing out on our phones. When you're with someone, look at them, pay attention to them, meditate. I mean, I'm a big believer of the power of meditation every day. And I practice Kundalini yoga, which for me has been a complete game change. And um, just it's being aware. It's being aware and present in your body, in your feelings, in your environment, in the people that are around you and not taking any of it for granted. So it's, it's almost like making that choice, right? Like make the choice, right. but don't just say you're going to do it. You've got to follow it up with action. And that's when it can get really hard because life can get in the way. But I am such a big, big believer of, you know, having a daily practice that helps me stay grounded and help me show up in a way that I can be present and aware. And so then I am experiencing whatever I'm going to experience in that day and feel all the feels good and bad because, right. I mean, I shouldn't say good and bad, but you know, comfortable or uncomfortable because we're on a polarity planet, but that's just part of that's part of being a human on planet earth. And I don't want to miss out. Mm. Um, So yeah, I wish I could, you know, click my feet, my heels three times and say abracadabra and no one would have to go through a hard time. I don't think that I would have gotten it if I hadn't been through the hard times that I've been through. Yeah. You know, and so it is what it is, but awareness I think is, is really important. Mm, and I, I sense high intentionality, yeah, being intentional about the things you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, living with intention is, if, if anyone is just going to take one thing away from this podcast, which I hope you take so many of the little nuggets, but, you know, living your life with intention, no matter whatever that means for you, is such a game changer in terms of getting what you want from your life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, Dara, this was beautiful. Yeah. I live for a deep, meaningful conversation. And the fact that you would open yourself up to my community, the world, all of us, and share these moments, these precious moments that hold a lot for you and allow us to walk through those with you. And also for you to be the evidence of the good that gets to come through walking through the hard times, I appreciate immensely. I really do. It was a privilege and honor to be in this space with you. Thank you so much. Where can they find you? Where can they buy your books? Tell us everything. (laughs) Thank you for asking that. 
Um, so my blog is crazyperfectlife.com. You can just find out all the things about me um, there. Link up by my books. Of course, you can get my books anywhere. You can get it on Amazon. You know, that's always the easiest. Just click. I am my mother's daughter, wisdom on life, loss and love. Um, my biggest platform is on Facebook at Crazy Perfect Life, but I'm loving Instagram, of course. So follow me there at Crazy Perf Life. They're a little bit different. Um, those links are obviously on my blog at crazyperfectlife.com. And I love hearing from people. So if anyone has a question, email me, Dara at crazyperfectlife.com or just, you know, send me a message on any of the socials or, you know, whatever. But um, I love connecting with people and I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone has. So thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. We'll make sure that's all in the show notes here below friends. So if Dara feels like a safe place for you, someone you could reach out to, if you're in a level of grief right now, and you just want someone who you feel will understand and support you through that, I want to challenge you to go over and be with her and follow her and love on her because it takes courage and compassion and a whole lot of love to be able to show up in this world the way you are. And I'm just a really grateful friend in that. And I just thank you for, again, for this time. It was, it was exquisite. The honor is mine. Thank you for all the work you're doing in the world. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Becoming Iconic, the masterclass. You being here really matters to me. Generosity is a core belief and value of this brand. And I wanted to give you three simple ways of being that and leading that right now in your life. Number one is leaving a five-star review on whatever platform you're currently listening on. This is a beautiful way of extending this podcast out into the world and new faces and heartbeats learning about it. Number two is sharing on your social media. Please make sure to tag me, Becoming Iconic, and I'll be sure to reshare you and just keep the love going. And number three is cut and paste this link into a text and send it to somebody specific who came to mind as you were listening. Maybe there was somebody who you felt would really benefit from this conversation. That's such a beautiful way of sharing with someone else and also sharing this podcast. Please know that generosity is also something I model all the time. And we have the Manifestation in Motion course for free for you over the Becoming Iconic website. It's becomingiconic.co.co. It's sitting there waiting for you. Five recorded modules, downloadables, and it is so sacred and special to me because this is the course that I taught right before my social media was hacked and taken away. And because of this course, I was able to capture so many memories and photos and all the beautiful value I put out. So it didn't feel like a total loss when that happened. It's really a beautiful way of manifesting in your life and these beautiful rituals to support you in that. I appreciate you being here. You matter to me. This matters to me. And now we are called in to go and make it a great day.